On today's show, we've discussed who the new head coach could be, but we haven't really gone into detail about what Giannis might want from a new head coach. So we're going to discuss the perspective from Giannis and the new head coach and what we would potentially like to see with the Bucks superstar. And also, I do want to ask Justin, what are some of the lessons we've learned from watching the playoffs so far as we get near the NBA Finals? So it should be a fun show today. Let's get into it. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, from the Bucks Radio Network, in the radio studio right now, Justin Garcia, a man who never stops working. And uh, we appreciate all the support and everyone watching and listening Monday to Friday uh, throughout the off-season indeed, especially the everydayers who are still sticking with us. And I know who you are because you're jumping into YouTube comments every single day and usually within a couple of hours of the show's posting. So we appreciate all the support. But if you're new to the show... Uh, Monday to Friday, you can find everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks. We are waiting for a new head coach. It could come any second, really. I'm I'm sitting around and I'm wondering when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen in the next few days. Uh, as soon as it does, you know we'll have a show here as well. So we appreciate the support. Drop a like, a comment, subscribe, follow, review, all those things. It's free to do uh, and it really helps us. Uh, are you in the same boat as me, Justin? Are you sitting around thinking that it could happen any second? I mean, it could. I've seen a handful of people say this. I still kind of feel like you obviously need a coach before the NBA draft and before free agency begins. Um, But I kind of feel like this may stretch out just a little bit more now that the the trouble is. uh, And you know what? I kind of lost track of time here where we're already moving into June and and the finals are going to start on Thursday. So um, matter of days, sure. Um, because once you get to the finals, you, you, you can't, it's, it's, you know, you can't make those um, announcements and take away from the actual basketball. If this goes long, we're talking father's day or that weekend around them that it would end. So that would give you very, very limited time. And I know the bucks don't have a first round pick, um, but I don't know if it would be like, Oh, by the end of the weekend, I still feel like, I know we have that list and we'll get to those names, but I still feel like if you're the bucks, we've come this far, you might as well continue to wait because who knows what could happen between now and the end of the season. But what are you waiting for? Like, who are you talking about? Well, I mean, no name specifically, but we don't know who could become available between now and the end of the season. Like, not advocating for Joe Mazzula to be hired, but Joe Mazzula could be fired. That there could still be some, you know, some some change there. And Ty Lue's the name that keeps getting kicked around who knows what his status is? Maybe he does become free. So if you're the Bucks, the importance of this hire, unless you have just gone through a couple of rounds of interviews and are absolutely sold, this particular candidate said everything we wanted to hear, his vision for how to run the team, the offense that we would use, the defense, all of it, it matched exactly what we were looking for. This is the guy. Then by all means, jump on that. But I think if that was the case, 
that announcement and that hiring would have been made already. Yeah, and I but I kind of feel that way about the Clippers. You know, I was definitely and I, and I said this. I said, look, if Tyler was going to be the coach, that might be the name that I get most excited about based on what we've seen in the last few years. But I mean, if you're the Clippers and you're going to make that move, then you would have already done it at this point in time. So you can get into a process yeah. and and as you're talking about, get into decisions for the off season. So I've kind of moved on from that. And maybe I will be wrong. And maybe, you know, what you point to, there could be another twist in this story that we're looking at. But yeah, I just think for the time crunch, the fact that there are so many other teams in the process with the similar names, if you're the Bucks, I would have to imagine that if they have narrowed it down to three names, uh, they are right on the doorstep of doing something or maybe they've made an offer, maybe they're waiting uh, to hear. Uh, that, that would be my sort of sense of where they're at. Uh, one thing we didn't bring up the other day, and a number of people mentioned it in the YouTube comments, so we should at least reference that this was something that was out there in Twitter and in the world. Uh, I podcasted with Camille on Wednesday, and we mentioned the three names, Nick Nurse, Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin. And I think we both came to the conclusion that, look, it's probably going to be Nurse or Atkinson. Griffin feels like the outsider. Uh, there was a report that came out of Phoenix. Uh, I think it was Phoenix Radio that suggested that Giannis yeah. said that he wanted Adrian Griffin. I, I haven't seen anything else around this. I did a quick search. I haven't seen too many you know, uh, you know, major reports. Uh, that is obviously the wild card. And again, if Giannis comes forward and is very strong, and I don't think that he's the only one that gets a say in this, but being the superstar, being in a situation where he is in the franchise, if he was really absolutely strong about Adrian Griffin for some reason then that would obviously carry he's some the significant coach, weight. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's, it's not significant weight. He's the coach. And, um, yeah, I hadn't seen this anywhere else either. Uh, Gambo out of Phoenix is the one that had this. And he's pretty well connected. And most of, you know, the stories that he has hinted at or scooped in the past have, have come to fruition. So it is something to, to at least file away and keep an eye on. Because we had the conversation over – what do you look for if you're the Bucks when you make this move? And I think we all kind of said, regardless of how you feel, there is something to be said for, look, if you go with somebody that isn't, and I don't even want to use the word retread with Nick Nurse, it was just Toronto, but you know, like Nick Nurse and Kenny Atkinson have had jobs other, uh, other places, retread can carry some negative connotations that I don't necessarily mean to imply here, but I do like hiring guys that are a new voice just because you feel like you know what you're going to get, or at least have a better idea of what to expect in terms of packages and, and personnel and everything run from guys that have done it before. And a guy like Adrian Griffin hasn't, maybe he's going to going to unlock something. Maybe he's the guy that all of a sudden ushers something else in of, Hey teams, it's a copycat league started playing defense this way because that's what Adrian Griffin put in with the Bucks, So that's what you would look to if, if you, if you tried to break away from that, the trouble with that, as much as I would lean towards that ordinarily is we mentioned the timeline for Giannis. And, and the other thing is this, let's assume you bring back Chris and Brooke Lopez, your window with this group as constructed is probably two years, maybe just one year. So can you afford to be in a spot where the Celtics, for example, are where maybe Joe Missoula has started to figure things out and we're going to look back on this a couple of years from now and say, man, remember when people wanted him fired, but it's been a rocky road. And can you really afford to go with a guy that doesn't have that track record and maybe wasn't ready for it when this is a very, very pivotal stretch that you're entering? Yeah. Are you ready for the Joe Missoula 
Eric Spolstra early days uh, career arc and the Celtics are about to create history and win the NBA title. <laughs> you look, it, and it wouldn't be the first time that a coach has been absolutely on the rocks. The team finds their way out of it. Maybe they win a title or make a long run. 2021 might be familiar to some of our listeners. And, uh, and, then, and then you do you know, carry on with the franchise. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we've already mentioned Giannis. So let's get into the Giannis conversation a little bit more next because not only should he have, and it's been reported that he obviously will be a part of the conversations with the new coach. Uh, what do we actually want from Giannis, the player? What, what do we want a new coach to bring to the table when it comes to the way that Giannis plays? Because I see a lot of stuff out there uh, from fans about ideas that might make sense, but what is actually realistic? So I want to get into that conversation next after we talk about our friends at eBay Motors. Uh, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage. Look for the green check to know the part will fit or you'll get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Exclusions apply. All right, we'll get to the Giannis chat next. But first, as I said off the top, we appreciate everyone joining us on today's show earlier in the week and into the future weeks. Uh, particularly to the everydayers who are with us uh, Monday to Friday and uh, always contributing to the conversation and the topics we discuss on this show. We absolutely appreciate it. So let's get to the discussion around Giannis. And I, I imagine, based on how this usually goes, this will be a topic that our listeners and viewers will have strong opinions about. So I've focused heavily on the offense when it comes to the Bucks, And part of the reason for that is because I do think you have Giannis, the superstar. I've said it. I think best player in the world. And I've also just watched Nikola Jokic for four straight games up close. And it was an unbelievable experience. And I see people mention stuff like, let's have Giannis play a little bit more like Jokic or let's have him play more like Sabonis or let's have him play like you know, big man that maybe is happy to screen a little bit more play off the ball. I think if you're trying to and to compare Giannis to Sabonis or compare Giannis to Jokic, they're also very, very, very different players. So I, I guess where the conversation should start here, what is actually realistic if there are any tweaks with the way you use Giannis that you think that they can bring to the table next year or a new coach could bring to the table? Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all three of them are very different players, as you noted, and... Giannis does have playmaking abilities, but I think, you know, we saw stretches of it, very limited stretches of it, obviously, in, in the playoffs this year, but it was really the 2021 season in that playoff run for those first two rounds where it really became obvious, at least with that construction of, of the Bucks roster, it seems more and more that we see the way to utilize Giannis best is to get him in more of those actions where he's the screener and maybe not the guy with the ball in his hands uh, just across midcourt and utilizing him there more to open things up for the guys around him and get him attacking downhill. The, the first round series this year, 
it, it's the worst case scenario for Giannis. We've seen for years, you know, not just this year, not just the year of the bubble, the way the Miami Heat defend Giannis, and it's it's personnel changes these last couple of years with all three of those iterations. So it's not just, yeah, it's this guy or it's that guy. It's the way the Heat can defend Giannis where you know he starts with the ball outside the three-point line. He's coming downhill. He's going to the basket. We have guys that are certainly willing to take the charge. And just the way Spolstra can scheme that half-court defense, that's what makes it tough. So to me, the number one thing is how do you unlock this offense where Giannis is not – you're not taking the ball out of his hands per se – but you're using him as a screener a lot more. And that's going to put pressure on guys around him to make plays as well. But, but the, the candidate that best conveys, here's how we do this. Here's my vision for the offense. Here's how you use Giannis. And this will increase what you get from the guys around him. That's the candidate that you hire for this job. Because as much as we've talked about defense and you still have some very good individual defenders it's the offense that has been the shortcomings the last couple of years. And each year the Bucs have flamed out or been eliminated from the playoffs. It was the half-court offense. That's what happened against Miami. We can point to a Giannis injury in the bubble. That's what happened against Miami this year. Your defense wasn't great, giving up three-point shooting and a lot of points to a suspect heat offense in the regular season. But your offense was nowhere to be found, and that was the case last year. Obviously, Chris's injury has a lot to do with that. But how do you unlock, as we, used, as we heard that term a lot with Bud's hiring, how do you unlock Giannis as a screener a lot more and, and in doing so unlock this offense in the half court? Yeah, fourth quarter offensive rating against the Miami Heat, and it was only four games. So read into it what you will. And we know they had some absolutely epic collapses in that period, but an offensive rating of 88 in the fourth quarter is obviously just absolutely disgusting. So uh, that, that was a problem. And even if you look historically, even when they won the title for much of that postseason run, they had some moments and Giannis obviously took over games and Chris just hit big shot, big shot, big shot. Um, But they did struggle offensively during that championship run. So to your point, and I think this is where including Giannis in the conversation matters so much because if you're going to have a coach come in and say to Giannis, hey, I think the best way for us to function offensively is to take the ball out of your hands. And it's not going to be all the time, but that's going to be a difficult conversation to have. And we love Giannis, but we also know that that he's the man on this team. And he, he can be a little stubborn at times, which is why he is so great. So I think that that's going to be a conversation that Giannis is going to have to have the full respect. Uh, he's going to have to fully respect the head coach that comes in and trust in him and believe in him, which is why it's so important that he's involved in these conversations. But if you look at just his usage rate, uh, this season so and there was reasons for this because obviously Chris missed time Drew was out for some time but a usage rate of 39% this year a career high in 2021 when they won the title and yes they were three seed but in 2021 when they won the title it was 33 so that's that's an astronomical jump and because of the limitations the Bucks have on the roster. I think this is what most people talk about when they look at the Bucks offense. They say, okay, not only is it Giannis moving without the ball, but can we get everyone moving without the ball and try and get the defense shifting a little bit? And if it's just Giannis up the top every single time, he'll dominate the regular season and he will dominate the postseason. I mean, his numbers were massive, but I, I think if you have an offense that's bringing a little bit more to the table, it actually benefits the other players around him that are a little more limited. And if you're asking them just to shoot catch and shoot threes, Sometimes that's not going to be the formula to win in the postseason. And I think Giannis is not only a scorer, 
a facilitator, and just the dead set terror that he puts through defenses when he doesn't have the ball, I think that can be maximized. Yeah, and you know, we, we had that conversation quite a bit earlier in the season that I, I do think it is fair to say we need Giannis to to show some more growth in those spots that, that you reference with the mid-range and, you know, years ago, and Frank's talked about this a lot, where he started to develop that little turnaround baby hook. It seemed like that regressed last year. I'm not denying most of his offense from those spots of the floor certainly regressed by the numbers and his efficiency this past year. But a big part of that is what you touched on with guys that were off the floor and how much he was expected to carry offensively earlier in the season. So I think that's a contributing factor, but it is, it is fair to say, look, I understand that, but we need to see growth here this upcoming season because sooner or later, and the hope is we're still years away from this, but sooner or later, the way Giannis attacks the basket, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. Look at LeBron James as his career has advanced. He was very similar, obviously not with the length and size uh, that Giannis more specifically length that Giannis has, but LeBron was a guy that would play downhill and get in the lane, attack the basket as he aged more. And even before that, when he went to South beach, he became more of a mid range guy and just continually added things to his game right now. The thing that probably doesn't get dissected the most with LeBron is his work in the post, that he has become very good in that spot offensively. So these are things you're going to have to continue to add to your game as time goes on, and especially as some of that athleticism starts to fade away. I'm not saying it's there now, but it's going to come eventually for Giannis. So it's going to be important to work on those spots. And again, it just comes back to whoever it is you hire, that is objective number one. How do you help out Giannis offensively in the half court? All right, let's continue this conversation next because I think it's fascinating and I already can't wait to see what people have to say about this because I'm sure that people have their theories uh, one way or the other. So let's continue the Giannis conversation next. So as we continue to discuss, you know, how Giannis can be maximized. And again, he had his highest per game Point scoring tally this season, yeah, dipped in efficiency in other areas, and I agree with you in terms of the physicality and and Giannis is at twenty nine now, uh, which is kind of scary to think about. Actually, uh, in my mind, he's just always going to be about twenty four, twenty five, and maybe that just means that I'm getting old as well. But yeah, there will be a time where the knee stuff is going to catch up with him, and he just hits the floor so many times, which always makes me hold my breath. But also, you know, I, I think it's – we've been watching this for years and years and years and years. Like, is he ever going to be a, a three-point shooter? Probably not. Uh, I would, you know – I mean, it's it's kind of dangerous to ever doubt that he could. Like, could he get to 35? I don't know. Maybe that's something that he will do later in his career. But I still just think uh, if you are putting him off ball – and again, like he's still going to be a mid-30s usage guy. Like He's going to have the ball in his hands for the majority of the time. But I'm just looking from a, a preservation mode of looking after his body. If I could see even just once or twice fewer times per game where he's crashing into three guys and falling to the floor, I I would like that. I, I, I do just worry about the toll that he's had to go through physically throughout his career. Yeah, and you know, as as you said, we've seen more and more where 
you see Giannis at the floor and it takes longer, but we've come to expect, well, he's getting up, but we've seen yeah. more and more where it takes yeah. longer for him to, to get up. And it, it's all about the wear and tear that you want to cut down on that. And I think that's where LeBron really proactively said, this isn't sustainable that I can still be this guy. I can't be that guy a hundred percent of the time. I got to work in other aspects and score from different levels of the floor. So, so yeah. And, and I think the three point shot to your point, it would take a lot of convincing to get me on board with, yeah, he's going to become a very good three-point shooter or above 35%. If you can get to 33%, 34%, somewhere in there consistently, great. I'll take that. But to me, it's more important to just work on the mid-range and whether or not that's that's leaning on some more moves in the post and working on a turnaround jumper that we've seen all these things partially develop that last year, again, take that out of it. It was tough in terms of development for a lot of contributing factors, but we've seen a lot of these things partially developed and it all kind of stalled last year. So there are encouraging signs that you you go back the last two or three years and see those areas where he was working on uh, his scoring and the turnaround jumper. We would joke the one-legged jumper too, his turnaround that would remind you in ways of Dirk Nowitzki and that baby hook those are all things we've seen him pull out the bag, pull out of the bag at times. It's just really enhancing and fully developing those is to me what's going to be big for the last hopefully half of Giannis's career because you did uh, give him a little more time. He's 28 and a half in fairness. He's not 29 <laughs> yet, but you know we're, we're very close to hitting that age of 30. And then once you get over that number, it's, well, how many more years of your physical peak do you really have? were those things we touched on in the mid range and working out of the post, that's going to be even more important and things you're potentially going to have to lean on. Yes. Yes. 28 and a half, uh, 29 this season. And you're right. Hopefully he's only halfway through uh, his career there. <coughs> um, so let us know what everyone thinks about the honest chat, because uh, people will have their ideas. I think it's a fascinating conversation. And again, I am curious, and this offseason is going to be fascinating. I'm curious about the toll on his body from last offseason, obviously playing Eurobasket, World Cup this year, Olympics next year. You know, does he play in both of those tournaments? We'll wait and see. Again, I've said this as an Australian. I'm looking after our Greek friends. I hope Giannis plays for you guys and girls and you get to watch him play because there's enormous pride that, that comes with that. Uh, but hopefully, at least for now, uh, Giannis is recuperating. And by the way, we haven't heard anything about the hand or wrist. I, I think many of us suspected there would be surgery. And by the way, maybe yeah. there would be, and we still wouldn't know about it. That's typically the way things go. But uh, it is at least curious. We haven't heard a thing about that. I was going to say, maybe there has been, and we just haven't heard it. The 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 only other thing I would, I would point out, which I guess makes him um, an interesting case study, is when you would look at his three-point shooting, for example, and say, well, Maybe it's a new shooting coach and not to say you got to make a change there, but maybe it's working with somebody else and saying, well, try this motion or try this. I think one of the things you would point to the most is where do we see him used the least amount of time? And that's in the corner, which is the easiest three to take. Now I understand why you're not going to lean on that because when Giannis is away from that corner, it gives him more room to work and to attack downhill. So that's kind of the catch 22 of, well, maybe if we can get him some more looks there, but also, are we actually hurting the offense if we're moving him into that spot and taking him away from the other parts of the floor? Uh, rookie Giannis, Larry Drew. I haven't heard him mentioned in the uh, in the coaching search. But if you go back and watch highlights, and I'm, I'm 
he shot a lot of. Co- I would I would guess, and this is completely. I know nothing about this, and I might be completely wrong. And he played minimal minutes in his rookie season, but I feel like he knocked down more corner threes in his rookie season than any other season. I don't know if that's true. I'll look it up after. There's an easy way to look that up. <laughs> yeah, if you can do that uh, before this show ends, we'll see how wrong I was. But uh, I do remember that when he was knocking down some jump shots as a rookie, then went through the growth spurt as well. So there's a number of reasons for that. All right, before we wrap this up, I got a question for you, and we've been discussing this throughout. Who the hell is winning this Boston Miami series? Um, boy, I don't, so I try not to be a prisoner of the moment, but it's hard not to to start to wonder: Did the clock strike midnight for Cinderella, and have we seen Boston finally start to piece it together and play like the team we saw for large chunks of this regular season, the second half? of the uh, regular season last year and, and large portions of the playoffs. I, I think it is not meant as a sign of disrespect to the Miami Heat to say that the Celtics are the, the more talented team. I stopped short of saying better. The Celtics have more talent. Um, it's just been consistency has been their issue. So you ask me who's winning right now, it would seem like Boston has started to figure it out and play like we know they are capable of playing the big caveat is, do I trust the Boston Celtics to win in one of these spots? And the answer to that is no. So everything would point to, well, I kind of think Boston is coming back to win this. But at this point, who has proven to be more trustworthy? This group of Celtics players or Jimmy Butler? It's been Jimmy Butler. There will be some nervous Miami fans heading to game six uh, on Saturday night tomorrow as we record this podcast. All right, let's wrap this up. Everyone that's been listening to this podcast all weeks knows that I've been coughing my head off all week. So I'm going to the doctors. I'm going to sort something out about this cough that I've got. Uh, But we'll have a show again to wrap up the week. One more. And then uh, we'll see what happens over the weekend. Maybe the Bucks will have a new head coach by the time we get back next week. But uh, as I said, if you haven't subscribed, dropped a like, a comment, followed, reviewed, any of those things, uh, make sure you do that. We would absolutely appreciate it. For Justin and myself, uh, we'll see you next time.